Well, good evening. Thank you, worship team, for that amazing space to enter into the Holy Spirit's presence. Um, As Christian said, my name is Jenna Frost, and I am a pastor in Wichita with my husband, Brad. So I thought before we delved into the Word of God, maybe I'd tell you a little bit about myself first. So I don't seem so much like a stranger, but maybe more of a new friend. So as I said, I'm a pastor with my husband, Brad, in Wichita. And if you knew me at all and um, knew my story, you would know that being married to my husband kind of proves true the saying that, tell God your plans and he'll just laugh at them. Because I, when I knew I was called to ministry, I went to seminary and I was convinced, utterly convinced, oh, I do have a picture of our wedding to show you. Oh, that I was never, ever, ever going to date or marry a pastor. Which is kind of weird because I was going to be a pastor. But pastors have a little crazy schedules. And so I thought, one's enough. I don't need two. So I was convinced. And God kind of just laughed and said, ha ha, very funny. And you know what? God was right because I absolutely love working with my husband. And I love doing ministry together. And so if you're dating someone or thinking about someone you would like to date and marry... Marry someone that you like being on a team with. That's what I would say, because that is what makes our marriage work, I guess. But that's enough about that, because I'm not really a romantic kind of girl. So there's more to me than that. Um, I love Food Network. Does anyone else like Food Network? Yes. Do you have cable here in college? I didn't have cable in college. So you do? That's awesome and probably dangerous. But I love Food Network, and my absolute favorite chef on Food Network is the pioneer woman. Does anyone else like her? Read Drummond? One person. Yes. I don't know why I love her, but um, good news, her new cookbook comes out on Tuesday, so you all can go and get it. Um, it will be arriving on my doorstep on Tuesday. Thank you, Amazon. So that you all know what I'm doing on Tuesday now. <laughs> but I like to cook. There's something about following a recipe or tweaking it to make it your own that just allows creativity. And I find that I'm able to live into the creative person that God has made me to be when I cook. And so, you know, I know you're all in college and do you have a cafeteria that you eat at? You don't have to make your own meals? Yeah, that's a great stage of life too. Mac and cheese and frozen pizza and it's great. But maybe at some point after college, I didn't fall in love with cooking till after college. So you have time. It can happen. Or just love Taco Bell, and it's all great, too. (laughs) Anyway, so that's a little bit about me. Um, So now let's delve into God's Word a little bit together. You guys have been working through Romans. Am I hearing that correctly? Bravo. Romans is a tough and complex book. Uh, But we see that Paul is pretty strategic and thematic, and I think you'll realize that throughout the year, that Paul really knows what he's talking about, and he writes it for a reason. And in this middle section of the book, as you've been looking at chapters 5, and now we're in 6, and you'll get to 7 and 8, we see that Paul focuses a lot of his time and his words on the difference between sin and grace. And let's be honest, isn't that the essence of Christianity, right? The difference between sin and grace. And it's pretty convicting, right? What do we focus on, sin or grace? And I think we see Paul's message, his message, the heart of his message in this middle section of the book, summed up in a verse you would have looked at last week, which is Romans 6, 1, and 2. And it says this, and I'll be reading tonight from the New Living Translation. So if you have a different Bible, I would encourage you to look at it. 
the words just might be a little different. So Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And what the heart and core of Paul's message is here in these middle sections, and really throughout all of Romans, is that the nature of the gospel is transformative. It transforms our lives from sin to grace. And I think we've all really wrestled with some of this as a Christian, right? What is at the heart of the gospel? What is at the heart of this sin versus great message, grace message? And what does that mean for my life? What's at the heart of the gospel, and what does that mean for my life? That's what Paul's really talking about in these verses. The nature of the gospel is grace. So what does that mean for our lives? And he goes on to kind of flesh out that statement in our passage for tonight. This idea that we're not confined by sin any longer, but that we are called to live into the freedom we find in grace. So let's turn to the rest of our passage for this evening where we'll kind of stick tonight which is Romans 6, 15 to 23. Paul says this, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Which I just want to pause really fast because you might be thinking, Jenna, didn't you just read us that verse? Because it sounds so much like verses 1 and 2. 14 verses later, Paul's repeating himself because it's that important. This idea of what, how does sin fit into the realm of grace? So Paul keeps talking and he says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And you've become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wait, I've not been clicking this. Oh, thank you, Misha. For the wages of sin are death. Where are we? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sorry that those didn't keep changing with me. That's my fault. But Paul's basic message in this is this, right? You get to choose how to live. As someone under the law of sin, unnecessarily, I might add, or you can choose to live freely under grace. You get to choose. Which one do you want? Door number one or door number two? Door number one, the slave of sin that includes impurity and lawlessness, as Paul says. That sounds very severe, right? And it means that we continue to go deeper and deeper into sin, which means we go further and further away from God. Because sin is our thing. Anything that is a sin is something that separates us from God. And Paul talked about that earlier in chapter two that you've already read. 
And I think so often we think of sins, and rightfully so, as things with these huge physical consequences. Murder, stealing, lying, cheating, all of these things that we know are the things we shouldn't do. But as we talk about being a slave of sin, we're talking about being a slave of things that separate us from God. A slave of these things that cause us to question the grace that God has given us. To be slaves of perfection, of worry, of busyness, of selfishness. To be a slave of sin. A slave of things that separate us from God. Door number one. Door number two, the slave of grace. The New Living Translation calls it righteous living. The slave of grace includes holiness, a reconciled relationship with God, freedom from sin, eternal life, and righteous living. All of these positive, uplifting, hopeful words. The reality is that either door requires a response from us. Either door requires our lives. We will be slaves to something. Paul uses this slavery metaphor to mean that we serve something. As Jesus talked about, we can only serve one master. Will we serve sin or will we serve grace? Will we serve this perfection, this worrying, this busyness, this selfishness? Or will we serve forgiveness, love, grace, hope? We choose what we get to serve, what we want to serve. We chose who and what our allegiance is to. But the reality is our allegiance is to something. Right? Our allegiance is to something. Now, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. Is there anyone else? I know Jack is. Yes! So I know a lot about being loyal to a team who loses a lot. But they did not lose today. They beat the Chiefs. So, yes, school Vikings. But, like, one, I was so excited they won. I was like, yes! I can rub it in. But anyways, the point is, you will never, ever, ever see me in a Green Bay Packers jersey. Oh, Packers fans, really? I'll pray for you. (laughs) But Paul's message to the Romans is this. Hey, if you're on God's team, if you're on this team of grace, stop cheering for the sin team. Stop sitting in their section. Stop waving their foam finger. You're on the team of grace, so live like it. Cheer for the right team. Now, I do want to take a minute to make something clear. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a works-based message. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, to earn this grace. And Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And he says this, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, It is the gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. His point is that we're not saved by works, but we do have a response to the gospel. We believe in it or we don't. We accept this grace or we don't. And what Paul is trying to get at here is you have a response. Are you going to be a slave of sin or a slave of grace? How are you responding to the gospel? If our response is to accept this gift of grace, then we should live like it. As Paul talks about in Philippians 1.27, he puts it this way. We must live as citizens of heaven, conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. We choose what we serve. We choose door number one. 
door number two, to be a slave of sin or a slave of grace. And I think we get all of that. I think we get that, you know, up here in our minds that slave of sin, slave of grace. Yeah, I want to choose grace. Woohoo! But it's a lot harder to talk about what that means for our lives, right? What's at the heart of the gospel and how does that affect my life? It means live like Jesus, right? Love God, love others. We know that. But what does that look like in my day-to-day life? What does that mean for what I actually do? How do I become a slave of grace? How do I live like Jesus? And for that, I want to turn to a different of Paul's books, Philippians 2, which is a place where he really characterizes Christ. If we're supposed to live like Christ, it's probably helpful to know how he lived. And so Paul really spends some time saying, here's how Christ acted. And I think that really, really goes together with our Romans 6 passage of the difference between sin and grace. Jesus was full of grace, so let's learn from him. So here's what Paul had to say in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And there are a lot of lifestyle words, as I would call them, in this passage. A lot of things that we see that Christ did. And the first one I think that we see is the first sentence Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. How we live like Jesus, we put others first. Or as Paul says it in that passage, take an interest in others too. Sit and listen to your roommate and what they have to say, even when it's a busy and crazy week. Sit and listen. Give up privilege. Ooh, that's the one that I have the hardest time with in this passage. Give up privilege. We can talk about it on the surface level of, man, I really wanted that last slice of pizza. Oh, I guess you can have it. But there's more at the heart of that, right? Give up privilege for others. If you want to know what that looks like, read the Gospels. Jesus did it each and every time he met someone. He washed the disciples' feet. He gave up his privilege as their teacher. He sat and he ate with tax collectors and sinners, those who were outcast. He healed lepers. He gave up his privilege to enter into the stories of others. He was humble. He didn't take credit for things. He pointed to God. I think Paul sums up all of these things by saying, have a Christ-like attitude. To live as a slave of grace is to have a Christ-like attitude. And all of these things are so much harder than we'd like to think they are. Because in our everyday decisions, our human nature sets in. Our desire to be the slave of sin, the slave of selfishness, sets in. But we are called to be slaves of grace because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are called as followers of Christ, as slaves of grace, to love God and love others, to have a Christ-like attitude. 
Now, once a month, I take an entire morning to reconnect with God, and I call it my Sabbath morning. And I turn off my phone, and I go and I do things that help me reconnect with God. For me, this includes going on a long walk to think and to pray. It often includes reading my Bible and journaling, perhaps reading a devotional book. A great few hours to reconnect with God. Now, one day a few years ago, I was working at a church in Washington, and after my Sabbath morning, I went into the office. Typical day. I don't remember what happened that day. I was getting into my car to head home from work and reflecting on my day, and I thought, you know, I really like who I was today. I feel like I was patient. I listened well. I loved well. I was gracious. I like who I was today. Kept driving. And then I kind of thought, well, of course you did. You spent the morning with God. I seamlessly and unconsciously was more like Christ because I prioritized him. Because I embraced being a child of grace, I was more grace-filled. When we spend time in Christ's presence, in the presence of the Father and the Spirit, we are transformed into his likeness. When we embrace being a child of grace, we become more grace-filled. We get to choose who we serve, slave of sin or slave of grace. And I know especially as you're having busy weeks, it's hard to live into being a slave of grace. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be loving. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to be gracious. But that's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus. And so I want to challenge you this week to do two things. One in particular. I want you to spend some time, some extra time with God this week. And I know you're probably saying, I don't have any time this week. I have zero time. Spend some extra time with God this week. Find an hour, turn your phone off, and spend time with God. In a way that works for you. Maybe that's in devotions. Maybe that's going for a walk. Maybe that's listening to a podcast. Maybe it's spending time in silence. I don't know how possible that is on a college campus, but you could do it. I know it. Perhaps it's in serving somehow. Spend some extra time with God this week and then pay attention to who you are the rest of the day. Was it easier to live as a slave of grace when you spent time with the gracious God? And then secondly, as we're talking about the difference of sin and grace, of being a slave of sin or a slave of grace, Think about what that means for you to be a slave of grace. It's not supposed to be this thing that you're compelled to do. You have to do. But more of what does it look like to serve grace, to be filled with grace, so that when people encounter you, they see the face of God. They see the face of the one who offers them grace. So this week, spend time with God and live as a slave of grace with each and every person you meet. And pay attention. Pay attention to how God is transforming your heart as you embrace being a child of grace. Will you pray with me? And I'd invite the worship team forward. Gracious God, we are beyond grateful 
for the gift of grace that you have extended to us. That there is nothing we can do to earn it. That you loved us enough that you would come, that you would die. So that we could be extended this grace. Lord, may we respond to the gospel with our lives. May we respond as children of grace. As children who are filled with your grace. As those who can extend grace to others. This week, may we find time to prioritize you. To live into your grace. So that we may be grace-filled. I pray for these students this week as they experience turmoil, as they experience busyness. May you give them glimpses of rest and glimpses of your grace. Amen.